the message is my eyes are wide open. The staff's eyes are wide open. Come in here and take what you want. Push for what you want, and I'm sure we won't miss it. What is going on, everyone, and welcome to episode 119 of the New Ice City podcast. I'm your host, Vincent Mercagliano of the USA Today Network, and we are recording today's episode on the eve of New York Rangers training camp. Yes, the new season is about to be here. Camp will officially open up at the MSG Training Center on Thursday morning, quite early, if you ask me. It's earlier than any previous head coach that I've experienced. Peter Laviolette obviously is an early riser. The first practice will be at 8 a.m., meaning you know players and myself and anybody else who's attending is going to have to be there before 8 a.m. So we're going to be up bright and early on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and many more days Moving forward, because the grind of training camp is about to start, I just got back from our first conversation of the preseason with LaViolette, so that is very much going to be the focus of today's episode. It's late in the day already, because the press conference wasn't until 3 p.m., then I had to sort through it and write, and now this podcast is my final task for the day. So we're going to go off script a little bit. This is going to be slightly different from our usual format, but what you're going to hear throughout this episode are some clips from LaViolette, some of my biggest takeaways, and we'll discuss what some of those quotes mean and what I think could happen now moving forward as we start to get into camp and really get some of our questions answered. Because A lot of the stuff that we've been talking about and speculating about really for about four and a half months now has been just that. It's been wondering what might happen. It's been speculation. It's been sort of this guessing game about what the Rangers will look like under this new regime, under this new head coach, and under a very different looking coaching staff than what we saw with the previous regime and Gerard Gallant. Now... Beginning today with this conversation with LaViolette, but very much more will be revealed in the coming days and weeks as we see what actually happens on the ice. Now, remember, we definitely learned this with Gerard Gallant, that what a coach says doesn't always necessarily mean that that's what he's going to do. We're going to find out with LaViolette how much of a straight shooter he is, how much he's willing to reveal throughout the process about what his intentions are. The starting point today, and I won't go too deep into it until we play some of these clips, but I really got the sense that he was trying to accomplish two goals at this press conference today. One of them was to sort of create the sense of open competition. We know that a lot of the roster spots look like they're very much locked in. I feel like 
for the 22-man roster, I could probably tell you who 21 of those players are going to be right now. I feel very confident in that. Now, there could be a curveball. That's always possible. But I don't see a whole lot of open competition as far as roster spots are concerned. But within that framework of the roster, there are some very valid and very interesting questions about How will LaViolette arrange this lineup? That goes for the forwards, and that goes for the defense. Obviously, the goalies, that's not a conversation. You ride Igor Shesterkin as much as you possibly can, and Jonathan Quick is going to play on the days when Shesterkin cannot. But the forwards and the defense, there's definitely room for interpretation here, and there's definitely room for experimentation. And it sounds like that is where LaViolette is leaning. He wanted to send the message today that... You're not locked into any particular spot in the lineup. He is going to look at different combinations, and he's going to sort of let the players declare, based on what he sees from them, based on their play, where they fit best. The quote that he gave today, what you, what you heard at the top of the show, was, my eyes are wide open. I really think that that was a message that he was very calculated about wanting to put out there. He wants these guys to feel like, hey, if your goal is to play on the top line or you want to be a top-pairing defenseman, go get it because I'm open to moving some things around. Just because we saw certain things under Gerard Gallant doesn't mean that that's going to be what we see moving forward under Peter LaViolette. And within that, you know, a lot of people want to focus on the immediacy of the lineup. What is the lineup going to look like on opening night? What is the lineup going to look like tomorrow at practice? But I think the bigger picture goal from LaViolette here is that he wants to foster competition. He has made it clear, just as Chris Drury made it clear. We actually did get a chance to sit with Chris Drury in the sort of back room, the conference room of the Rangers practice rink last week and pick his brain about some of this stuff. And he echoed a lot of the same sentiments that we heard from LaViolette at his introductory press conference back in, I want to say it was June. I'm pretty sure it was June. It's all blur now, but I'm fairly certain it was June. Where LaViolette talked about upping their compete level, their battle level, playing more of a grinding game, playing more of an in-your-face type of style being more of a hard-working, lunch-pail, blue-collar type of a team. That is clearly what Drury wants from this group. Obviously, that's why he went out and hired LaViolette. And Drury talked about a lot of those things during our chat with him last week. And he also spoke about feeling confident that he has the personnel to pull it off. That was one of the talking points in the sit-down with Drury was about You have all these guys, the Panarins and the Foxes and the Zabanajads, who aren't necessarily overly physical players, who aren't the kind of guys who, you know, they keep using the term grinding. Those guys don't strike you as grinding type of players. But he named a handful of other guys on the roster, obviously Barclay Gaudreau. He named a lot of the guys that they went out and signed this offseason, like Tyler Pitlick, like Blake Wheeler, like Nick Bonino. He named Ryan Lindgren. He does feel like there are enough ingredients here to sort of play that style. And I think what they're striving for, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more later on in the show, is a team that, that strikes that balance. 
that has the skill and, and has the ability to be creative and, and offensively jump on teams, but also has the ability to wear you down and to forecheck aggressively and create turnovers and just be, for lack of a better term, a pain in the ass to play against. So that is sort of the combination that they're looking for here. And I think LaViolette is really focusing on the latter category right now because he knows the Rangers have the talent. He knows that they have some some highly skilled, accomplished players, but what he wants them to, to embrace is that competition. And I think that he was very much today trying to set that tone, very much trying to say, go get it, go out and compete, go out and battle with each other for these various spots that you want in the lineup. And then he wants that to turn into battling with other teams once the season starts and, and becoming this, this sort of new look Rangers group, even though it's a lot of the same players, a lot of the same personnel, I think he wants them to play a different style moving forward. And he talked about that identity today and talked about feeling like that is the identity that any team that is going to be in the championship conversation is going to need to embrace. Time will tell if he's right about that. Time will tell if this group has it in them to do that. But that is certainly what they're laying the groundwork for right now. The training camp roster is all set. LaViolette said that all 58 players showed up today. A lot of them were here earlier, but today was Wednesday was the day that they were required to arrive. Everybody's here. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's ready to go. There weren't really any surprises, no PTOs or, you know, nothing like that as far as guys that were brought in that you might not have expected to see at camp. Drury told us last week he doesn't have any plans for PTOs right now. He took a pass on some other guys that we've seen kind of pick their destinations in the last few weeks, some of those veterans that were lingering on the market. We spoke last week about Patrick Kane being the one guy who's sitting out there and everybody's sort of wondering what he is going to do and will the Rangers be in on that. But he's still a ways away from being ready to play. I think if the Rangers are going to do that, there's going to be some time that goes by before we finally get an answer there. And Drury said that he's comfortable with where they're at right now with the signings that they made and with the depth that they're developing within the organization. He wants to give the guys that they have here under contract an opportunity before he starts pivoting to other options. So again, no PTOs right now. He said they have no plans to do that. And the roster you see is the roster that we're getting at least for now. I did break that down a little more. I think it's kind of interesting to analyze the individual depth charts to give you a feel for not only who's going to make the the roster, the 22 or 23-man roster, but in the event of injury or in the event that someone isn't playing well or in the event that someone who is in the minors is forcing their way up, who's sort of next in line? Because you're going to need more than just 22 or 23 players to get through the season in all likelihood. It's very, very rare that you're going to go through a whole season completely healthy and get the performances that you expect from absolutely everybody. So I think to assess where the Rangers stand in that regard, it's sort of important to not just look at, let's say, the top four left wingers, but who are the next four left wingers? So if you do need to dip into that depth, who's the guy that's likely going to get that call? And so I did that 
for the forwards on Wednesday and for the defensemen and goalies on Thursday. And you should definitely, if you get a chance, go to loha.com slash sports slash Rangers to check that out. But it really, I think, gives you a good feel for where they stand at each position. Now, one thing that LaViolette did make clear, he didn't really want to talk about lines too much. He didn't give us any details on that. But he did say that his plan from the get-go is to have Alexi Lafreniere playing right wing. Now, he emphasized that that doesn't mean he won't go back to his natural left wing position at some point. But he said he had conversations with Lafreniere during the offseason about how comfortable he is moving to his offhand side. We've talked at length in the past about Lafreniere being blocked on the left side because Chris Kreider and Artemi Panarin are established guys there, and it always felt like his best way of or best chance of getting into the top six was going to be switching to the right side. We saw them sort of dip the toe in the water under Gallant and try Lafreniere there a couple times. It never lasted that long. We don't know for sure whether that was because Lafreniere wasn't feeling comfortable there or because Gallant didn't like what he saw there. I tend to think it's the latter. And certainly from what we've heard publicly from Lafreniere, he's expressed that he's more than willing to play the right side. And that is what LaViolette said came across in their conversations. So that is what we're going to see. So that that's interesting. That is, that's an intriguing starting point because that sort of makes me wonder, okay, well, how then does that change the dynamic of this lineup if Lafreniere can stick there? But so that was probably the biggest bit of news that came out of the press conference with LaViolette. But as far as the rest of the forward group and what the lines might look like, I wanted to let you guys hear what he had to say when he was asked that question. So I'm going to play that clip right now. Two days from now, there's going to be lines that come out and uh, they won't be the, they won't be the same the next day, and so I want to look at different parts and different pieces through training camp and see if there's a connection and with any of the players and give players opportunity to show what they can do in different situations. And the same thing holds true for the exhibition games. We're going to put players in spots to prove um, and, and give them a chance to earn uh, what they want to earn at training camp and. They'll get those opportunities in practice. They'll get those opportunities in exhibition games. And we're hoping that people push forward and really rise to the top and grab those opportunities and run with them. So it'll change through training camp. And I, I, I really am a little bit wide open. I, I want to be wide open coming in here with what I see and, and um, evaluate it from that standpoint. Well, if you were looking for him to definitively say, I'm going to play player X with player Y, you did not get that on day one. Now, of course, we will see what they look like when the players hit the ice on Thursday morning, but you heard LaViolette say right there, his plan right off the bat is to have one set of line combinations on day one and then try a different set of line combinations on day two, I think he wanted to make that clear in this setting so that there isn't panic or any overreaction or that sort of thing based on whatever the first set of lines that he rolls out there looks like. So that is my caution to you guys. We'll see. Now, of course, what he puts out there on day one 
if I had to guess, would have to I would have to believe that is what he might be leaning toward at this very early juncture. But as you heard throughout that answer, he really wants to look at different options and then sort of weigh them and make the best possible decision at the end of camp. And I think that's a good policy. We'll see how that plays out because that's something that I definitely remember hearing similar sentiments from Gerard Gallant when he first got here. And even last season at times he talked about experimenting and he did change the lines all the time, but ultimately it seemed like at least the top of that lineup came back to what we've known even before Gallant was here, what we saw under David Quinn. And that is Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider on one line and Artemi Panarin on another. And I think that is really the starting point. Before you fill in the bottom six and you fill in these other spots and you decide who's going to play right wing and all these different things, I think the first question you have to answer about this forward group is how are you going to align your stars? And that is going to be an interesting conversation because we know how much Mika and Chris Kreider love playing together, and they've had a lot of success. I looked it up the other day. If you look at the past three seasons when those two have been on the ice together at five on five, they've outscored their opponents 90 to 65, and a lot of the analytics look pretty positive for them as well. So it's that sort of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mantra. And I think that's definitely how Gerard Gallant felt. But we also feel like we've seen Artemi Panarin not quite at the same level that he was that first season when he was a Hart Trophy finalist here. Now, maybe that's age, although it's not like the guy is super old. He's only 31 years old. But you have to wonder, can you get him back to that level. And I'm sure some people will also point to Ryan Strom being gone and how much chemistry those two seem to have together. But Strom isn't here anymore. And even though I do think that things got better between Panarin and Vincent Trocek as the season went on, I also wonder if maybe you can squeeze a little bit more out of what amounts to be definitely your highest paid player, your leading scorer, and one of your most important players. So, I certainly would not be surprised if we see Panarin get some looks with Mika Zibanejad during this camp. And I've mentioned to you guys previously that I also think that you should strongly consider what it might look like if Panarin gets some time with Philip Heedle. When you talk about trying guys in different spots, you know, we're starting with, okay, where are you going to put Kreider, Zibanejad, and Panarin? Because those are probably the three biggest names in the forward group. And I think once you decide that, a lot of other stuff starts to fall into place. But when you look at the centers, obviously Mika Zibanejad is the number one center on this team. But are you maybe better off if you give Philip Hedl a chance in that second line center role, especially if LaViolette creates that matchup, whatever line, checking line, defensive line, whatever you want to call it, on the third line, I strongly believe that Vincent Trocek is better suited for that kind of responsibility than Philip Hedl is. Better defensively, much better on face-offs, just a kind of more, I think, well-rounded player in that regard. And he's shifty and certainly not afraid to stick his nose in there on the forecheck and mix it up. Like He's stronger in a lot of those areas of the game than Hedl is, whereas Hedl 
Well, offensively, I think projects to have a higher upside than Vincent Trocek. And we know what Philip Heedle can do as far as his speed and pushing the pace in transition. So I wonder if maybe Heedle gets some looks with Artemi Panarin here as well, especially because Heedle's a guy that really likes shooting the puck. There's not a whole lot of guys on this roster that you can say are shoot-first type of players, but Heedle is definitely one of them. And Panarin, we know, is the ultimate pass-first player. So I also wonder what's going to happen there. And then, now that we know Alexi Lafreniere is going to start at right wing, I have to wonder what that looks like as well, and where does he slot in? I certainly think that if Kreider and Zabanajad remain together, there's a really good chance you're going to see Capo Caco on the right wing with them because I think that's where he's played some of his best hockey. But Alexi Lafreniere lingers there, and I think if you're moving him to right wing, it has to be with the intention of getting him into the top six. Because if you're going to play him on the third line anyway, wouldn't you just keep him at that left wing position behind Panarin and Kreider? So to me, shifting him to the other side signals that the Rangers want him to take on more responsibility. The Rangers probably want to get him into the top six. So you could be looking at a top six now that has Kako and Lafreniere both in it. Blake Wheeler is also here. He's been a top six player traditionally in his career, but I think at this stage, now that he's 37 years old, that it seems like he would be very accepting of a role where maybe he was taking a step back and playing on the third line. So I don't think that is really much of a concern. So a lot of moving parts here, a lot of moving parts. But right now it sounds like that right wing side could be Kako, Lafreniere, and Wheeler as the top three with Panarin and Kreider as the top two left wings. And my best guess would probably be Barclay Gaudreau is the third guy there. The, the beauty of that is that Gaudreau so versatile. If you decide that you want to put Lafreniere on the right side, then Gaudreau can easily play the left side. And if you decide that Lafreniere is going to go back to the left, you can very easily switch Gaudreau back to the right. Last thing I would add there is that you know, if Lafreniere is going to stick on the right side, another possibility we should mention is Jimmy Vesey, who's a natural left winger. I guess he would give you another option for the third line as well. All these different moving pieces, and it sounds like we will at least get a look at a few different combinations. And I think that that's kind of exciting, and that'll be kind of cool to see how it plays out. But certainly it sounds like at least the message that Laviolette is sending right now is that nothing is set in stone and we can expect to see a few different things at least, whether it's two different lineups, three different lineups, four different lineups, that remains to be seen. What you hope is that once we get to the regular season, and at least you know a month or two into the regular season, you're not necessarily going to have everything set from day one. It's going to be like that for all 82 games. But what I think caused some frustration last year was that we were three, four, five months into the season, and it still seemed like Gerard Gallant didn't know exactly how he wanted to arrange his lines, and we saw constant turnover and constant changes. I, I think that the hope here has to be that you use training camp and the early portion of the season to experiment, and that way you can make some well-informed decisions and confidently move forward with a set lineup once you get into whether it's November, December, you know, at some point, not too late in the season. So that definitely has to be the hope. And that's why I think 
if you're going to want to try a bunch of new stuff, training camp is absolutely the time to do it. All right, let's get to the next clip from LaViolette. And now this one is his response when he was asked about the defensive pairs. He was specifically asked about Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox, who we know have been best buds and the top pair for pretty much four seasons now. He was asked if he envisions those two staying together, and here's what he had to say about that. I'm, I'm inclined to try something new at camp as well, and so I know that there's been success there, and I know that it's a good pairing, and I know what the pairings were last year, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be that way through every practice, and it doesn't mean that they're going to be that way in the exhibition games. It's an opportunity for me coming in new to knowing that there was some success there by by the success the team had, by analytics, by whatever it might be, by my eyeball watching a game, you can understand that there's some success there. That doesn't mean that you can't try something different as well and see how that looks. All right, so there you go. I'm sure it was no surprise for people to hear LaViolette say that he was going to try some different things with the forwards. We definitely felt like there were some questions up in the air and some new pieces that he had to figure out where they're going to fit best. But with the decor... It's pretty much the same guys. Five of the six should be the same. Eric Gustafson is the one guy who you expect to be a new member of that top six defenseman group, and he's almost certainly going to play on the bottom pair. So you felt like you had a pretty good feel for what that might look like. But it sounds like as much as we've grown accustomed to seeing Adam Fox with Ryan Lindgren and Jacob Truba with Keandre Miller, that maybe, just maybe, we might see something different this season. Out of curiosity, I looked it up, and if you look at the combined time on ice that those pairs have logged together in the last three seasons, meaning total time on ice with Fox and Lindgren out there and total time on ice with Miller and Truba out there, the Fox-Lindgren pair has logged over 3,100 minutes together the past three seasons, and the Miller-Truba pair has logged over 3,300 minutes together the past three seasons. So two of the more established defensive pairs in the entire league, and it would really, really represent something new and a shakeup, and I think send a little bit of a message to the roster if LaViolette decides, hey, we're doing something different this season. And I think it's pretty intriguing as well because you sort of know what you're going to get, especially when it comes to Lindgren and Fox. You would really hate to break those guys up because they're just so good together. And we saw it last year when Lindgren missed some time at the end of the season. There really seemed to be a dip in Adam Fox's play Quite frankly, that might have cost him the Norris Trophy. I know the first half of the season, I fully expected to vote for him. I thought he was going to be the guy, and most of the people that I spoke to in the Pro Hockey Writers Association seemed to be leaning in the same direction. But the feeling was that Fox didn't play quite as well, wasn't, didn't maintain that level from start to finish. And that dip in the second half just so happened to coincide with Ryan Lindgren going out of the lineup. Now, while Lindgren was out of the lineup, Gallant mostly stuck with Truba and Miller. 
So Fox didn't get very much time to play with Miller. It was more of mixing and matching whichever other left-handed defensemen were available for Fox to play with. He, he mostly spent time with Nico Mikola, who is no longer here. What I would be very curious to see is if you are going to try something new, what does it look like if Fox and Miller play together? Because if you're talking about talent, if you're talking about upside, if you're talking about dynamic game changers, those are clearly the two defensemen on this roster who fit that bill. So you put them together, and you could have the makings of something special. How would they gel? What would the chemistry be like? How long would it take them to start reading off of each other and and really becoming what we think maybe they can become? That remains to be seen. Maybe it would fall flat. Maybe Fox is the type of guy who doesn't need somebody with all the incredible physical traits that Miller has, doesn't need somebody who who skates and does all those things and wa- wants to push forward offensively the way that Miller does. Maybe it would contradict itself a little bit. Maybe for him, having the safer, reliable, physical, tough guy who sort of complements his skill set works better, but... I certainly think it's worth looking at, and I have a feeling that is going to be what we're going to see, which would then leave you with Ryan Lindgren and Jacob Truba in all likelihood as your second pair. Maybe they decide to mix that up even. Maybe you see, let's say, Lindgren and Braden Schneider and then Truba with Gustafson, but I would imagine that they would want Lindgren and Truba being the second pair, those guys locking the most minutes. I think whether it's Schneider, who's a younger guy who's still developing, or Gustafson, who's kind of a a limited veteran. There's certainly some skills there that you like, but on a on a winning team, is he in the top four? I'm not so sure about that. So the logical second pair, if they do decide to put Miller and Fox together on the top pair, would be Lindgren and Truba. And that could be interesting, too, because probably two of the toughest guys on the team, two guys that like to throw the body around, that certainly can be physical, that certainly think defense first and I think would have maybe the potential to be pretty good on that end of the ice. And I think it also might open things up offensively for Truba because when he's playing with Miller, he's deferring to Miller a lot when it comes to offensive situations. But we've seen Truba during his time with Winnipeg be a 50-point guy. So if he was playing with a guy like Lindgren, who we know has absolutely no problem protecting the back end and being the guy who defers in offensive situations, then maybe that would open things up for Truba. Maybe you'd see a little more point production out of him in that setting. I'm just, you know, kind of speculating and talking it through, and this is sort of just stream of consciousness thinking on my part, but I think these could be some of the things that maybe LaViolette is considering as well. So the D pairs are going to be something to keep an eye on here during training camp along with the forward group. And, you know, again, that adds a little intrigue because it's not like we're talking about a whole lot of roster battles here. I think the seven defensemen who make this roster are in all likelihood set, barring a trade or an injury or something along those lines. I think the six guys we talked about are definitely going to be on this roster. And I've told you guys before that I think Zach Jones is definitely going to be on this roster because I don't think the Rangers are going to even think about taking the chance of exposing him to waivers. So knowing that you pretty much have your seven guys set, moving them around and trying some different things, I think adds a little excitement. So 
that's another thing that we'll definitely be keeping an eye on. I will let you guys know what I see each one of these upcoming days at training camp. Now, we're going to get to this final clip from Peter Laviolette, and this came in response to a question, and this is, I think, a big-picture question that I've been trying to raise a bit in my coverage the last week or so, and it's definitely something that's prevalent on my mind as we look ahead to this new season. We've heard Chris Drury talk about wanting this team to play a grittier style and feeling like they need to be tougher and stronger and work harder in all three zones. And we've certainly heard Peter Laviolette talk about that. But the question that I think everybody's going to keep coming back to is, is that just a matter of getting the group that they have to buy in more? Can you make all of the players on this roster turn up that intensity in maybe some of the areas of the game where they haven't had a whole lot of experience or haven't been asked to contribute a whole lot in the past? Or do you need the the type of personnel that suits that style, that can play to that style? And so Laviolette was asked that question today. What does his style look like? And can this group pull it off? And you're going to hear his answer right here. There's a lot of talent and there's a lot of skill on this team, and I understand that. I also... I can talk about teams that I've coached that have had some success. There's a certain identity to the way they play. I could also talk about teams that make it deep into the playoffs, to the final four, to the final two, the Stanley Cup champions. There's a certain there's a certain attitude that they play with as well. Um, there's a work ethic that goes behind that, and so I think it's a combination of both. I've never wanted to be only a skilled team and I've never wanted really to be just a hard working team when you can combine the two and you can get them on the same page which is the purpose of training camp it's to establish your identity it's to work on it it's to make the mistakes to fix the mistakes to gain confidence with what you're doing on the ice I feel like when that happens then the team starts to get confidence in the way that they're playing so I don't I don't know if it's just the skill that you're looking for or just the work ethic for me it's a good combination of both A combination of both. That is what the Rangers are striving for, and that is going to be the formula for success for them. It sounds great in theory, and now we're about to find out if they can pull it off. I have heard concerns from certain segments of the fan base that worry about going too hard into the grit thing, worrying too much about that when really what is ultimately going to help you win championships is having the most talent, is having a roster of dynamic, creative playmakers who give you a more potent attack than your opponents. And I certainly am on board with that. I think that is an absolutely essential part of any team that's going to win the championship. I mean, look at the last few champions whether you're talking about an absolutely loaded Vegas team, an absolutely loaded Colorado team, or the team that we saw in Tampa win back-to-back cups. But you also can't deny that while those teams certainly had a really, really strong core of high-end talent, guys that are just pure difference makers, guys that put the puck in the back of the net at a high level, and guys that possess the puck and make plays and and create all of that that you need to ultimately win a game 
and certainly win a playoff series, that those teams also did have those elements of guys who outwork you and guys who forecheck with aggression and guys who create turnovers and find little ways within the course of a game to make a play that can make the difference between winning and losing. It's certainly not about fighting or trying to throw a crazy amount of hits or anything like that, but there are those plays where if you play with hustle, and you play with a high motor, and you play with speed. Speed is obviously an important element of this that we've touched on countless times, especially in lieu of that first-round loss to the New Jersey Devils last season where the Rangers just looked a step slower than their opponent. All of those things are going to need to add into this winning formula, and that is what Laviolette is stressing. Now, obviously, We're hearing him talk more about the gritty stuff at this point because that's what they feel the Rangers need more of. The belief is that they have the offensive talent. They have the skill, but now you need those other elements to create that balance. And in theory, I agree. In theory, I believe that you do need all of that on your roster in order to really get over that hump and not just become a playoff team because the Rangers are well-established now as a playoff team having been there two years in a row, and I think most people believe they'll get back there this year. If they don't, that'll be a whole different ballgame, and and that would obviously have some repercussions. But now it's about, okay, you're a playoff team. The next step, we all know what that is, and that's hoisting the cup, and that's what they're aiming to do. And it sounds like right from the get-go at this training camp, as I touched on at the beginning of the show, LaViolette is trying to set that tone. Chris Drury said it last week. He doesn't believe that it's just a switch that you can flick on and off. When it's playoff time, okay, we're going to ramp up the intensity now. He thinks that it's something they need to establish early on, and that is absolutely the feeling that I've gotten just from these two conversations that we've had with Peter Laviolette. His introductory press conference over the summer, and now his sort of starting camp press conference that we heard today. So... I'm excited, folks. We got some real hockey coming our way. I'm very excited for training camp. I'm going to deal with the early alarms with with a smile on my face. I will be there for every day pretty much moving forward. I don't anticipate taking any days off for, I don't know, could be weeks. We'll see how it goes. I'm sure they'll sprinkle in a day off here and there throughout training camp. But typically, training camp is – six out of seven days a week with the preseason games mixed in. The Rangers are going to Boston, actually. Really quick turnaround. Their first preseason game is on Sunday. It feels like it's getting here even quicker than usual. Maybe I'm misremembering how it's worked in the past, but they're only going to have three days on the ice as a team before they go up to Boston for the preseason game, although LaViolette warned us, and I'll caution you as well, that you're probably not going to see a ton of the regular guys up there. You're certainly not going to see a full lineup. To my recollection, a lot of times those away games that require a little travel in the preseason, the the veteran guys don't typically like to make those trips. So what you're probably going to see is sort of a a skeleton squad or at least a, a squad that doesn't have all the heavy hitters on it going up to Boston, and then the rest of the team will hang back in New York and get in a regular day of training camp and practice. I'm planning to stay here. I want to see what the roster looks like, but I'm planning to stay back here and watch camp. That way I can be here in person for that, and then obviously watch the 
preseason game on TV on Sunday. So, so that's my plan moving forward. But I'm going to have you guys covered every day from training camp. I'm planning to write a ton of stuff. I've already got a bunch of stuff going up on the website or the websites, I should say, this week. So be sure to check all of that out, including those depth chart breakdowns that I mentioned to you guys. Got a new story up right now that just went up within the past hour or so with all my takeaways from what we heard from Peter Laviolette. But you just heard a lot of that stuff here as well. So here we go, folks. It's about time to get off and running. I will be here for it every step of the way. The plan throughout camp and throughout the season is to have a new podcast for you guys every Thursday morning. So I hope you keep listening and downloading and subscribing and all that good stuff. I appreciate each and every one of you. I'm going to go and try to rest a little bit, get some dinner in me, and get some sleep. But I'll be right back at it tomorrow morning, and I'll be right back with another podcast next week. So until then, take care, everyone. Enjoy the hockey, and I will talk to you soon.